Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, my guest is Zach Slingsby, who is the founder of Human Factor Media, where he works with a collective of writers, filmmakers, and artists raising the bar on narrative video. In a world where everyone is muting commercials or changing the channel, Zach and his team are changing the way commercials are perceived by creating brand films that resonate and create a lasting connection with the viewer. This approach helps brands bring larger than the item that they're promoting with a strong background in advertising and digital media. Zach merges commercial and brand strategy and has directed projects from global campaigns to short documentaries. So join us today as we talk about how Zach uses his knowledge base in writing and creating content to create compelling brand videos that capture the attention of the audience. I love nerding out on commercials, man. This is going to be a great conversation. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me here. So I'd like to dig in a little bit on your background. You know, being a creative, especially in a high stakes creative world, you know, like advertising, that not only takes some skill, but that also takes, you know, like a good deal of process. Can you walk us through a little bit about your background and how you got to be so amazing today? Sure. To the extent that that's true. Yeah. Well, so one of the things you said, so deep background in advertising, I do not have a deep background in advertising. And so that's a distinction that I think has actually helped us quite a bit. We Mostly our team is not made up of people with a deep history in marketing. We're creatives. We're people who come from, uh, in my background, writing and literary writing, uh, the case of other people on the team, film and production, editorial work, branded content, definitely. But you know, I wouldn't consider any of that traditional marketing or traditional advertising. So why, how did that background lead us here? You know, I think that the evolution of branded content seems to be coinciding with creative people finding opportunities on those platforms. A brand is a stage now. It's just simple. You you have all these platforms. You have to do something with them. You have to uh, find a way to use them to your advantage. And the advantage for brands is going to be ultimate bottom line growth eventually, understandably. But in the day-to-day experience of your channels, more and more brands are figuring out we can't just put product features out there. We can't make 25 YouTube videos about the anti-lock brakes on the new Honda. We have to find a way to entertain people in that in that short-term experience. So that's where I think where creative people come into play. You know, they're able to do that. They have a background in that. Liberal arts background, 
you know, the joke is that that's useless for most jobs, right? And But increasingly, we're finding that brands are looking towards people who have the authentic creative credentials to to help them out, to help them get attention. That is an amazing way to describe all of this. One of the things that happened in my trajectory is that I got to work in an ad agency for like mm-hmm. six months, right? Where I was just working on a specific project. And I just found the, you know, the whole experience uh, kind of stifling. Right. Mm-hmm. And that I was in there and I just saw that they, you know, basically what these guys did is that they got a new account, everyone celebrated and then they locked themselves in a room for a week. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, like, that's not uh, terribly interesting. But what happens in a place like that is that, you know, that's, you know, like you said, the traditional advertising agency. And that can be, you know, it can be the, either be highly creative or highly boring, you know, depending on the type of creative that you are. When you approach a new brand or when a new brand approaches you, like what are the things that you're looking for in order to see if you are a good fit or not to work together and take on that kind of project? Mm. Yeah, I agree with your insight completely. Uh, so I'll answer the question first. Um, we will present ideas. We'll get either contacted by a CMO or someone at a company or we'll reach out to them oftentimes as well. And we'll ask to put together a presentation if we think we're a good fit. And usually that presentation will be two or three ideas that we think uh, would make a big difference. We think is a departure from what they're doing. In some cases, it'll be a riskier proposition than what they've maybe spent their budget on to date, depending on how creative it is. I mean, the more creative and out of the box and the more, you know, the more you're telling a story, the less you're focused on the, the, the quick sale generally is the equation. The more the, the, more the, the meter the, the more the, the line moves toward actual things that people find interesting, the further away it's moving from a description of what you're selling, how much it costs, where you can get it. And here's the link uh, and tell your friends, right? So we will present ideas and oftentimes those ideas will, they'll be in some proportion to the risk tolerance that the brand is, is already shown. So that's the first step. And then we see if we have anything in common, usually in that, that first meeting. And if we do, great. One of the most impactful uh, series that I saw along this vein was the one that BMW did. Jesus has to be about 10 years ago where they got, uh, where they made a mini series of Clive Owen, who was in that, that driver. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. You know, series of movies. And then they got all these high end Hollywood directors to direct all these chase scenes using BMW cars. Right. And, you know, you don't really see, you know, they're not really flashing you the, you know, he's in a BMW, right? But they're not really putting the brand in your face. They're just showing the guy going on missions, you know, trying to save, uh, trying to save people and using these awesome cars, you know, really to their max. When a company like BMW goes out on that kind of limb to not just show their car driving in you know, driving on mountain roads with really pristine conditions and really beautiful people behind the wheels. What kind of return do you think they're getting when they create that kind of content as opposed to, let's just call it the generic 30-second car commercial, you know, Lisa BMW for $549 from your local BMW dealership? It's a big question. And obviously, return on investment is the number one thing that anyone who's proposing these things in a boardroom is going to be grilled with first. And we, we talk about, we have presentations devoted to it. It's very, it's a, it's a tricky thing. You know, what is the, the, there was a, there was a joke about this, you know, what is the ROI of your relationship with your family? You know, it's, it's hard to quantify, right? It's hard to say, 
well, here's exactly what I get out of uh, my mom. Here's exactly what I get out of, uh, you know, here's the exact return on investment I get from having a brother. It's like, you know, you're the intimacy that you achieve with people that you want to become followers of your, of your brand and of your work is uh, it's hard to quantify, but it's also irreplaceable if you can achieve it. Uh, and you see that obviously an example of BMW, you see it with Yeti that's, that's become renowned. I mean, try to find another cooler in the store besides Yeti, right? It's, it's just, you, they're making these documentaries. They've gone so far out of their way to show that what their values are as a brand through creativity through film and you see alexis has a theater page uh patagonia huckberry so these are are tremendous examples of the commitment where they stake they stick with it and the roi becomes more than they could have ever dreamed right now there's obviously a lot of examples where brands will take a chance and it doesn't work and so you know i i'm not someone who judges the the c-suite making those decisions i understand there like we had a meeting with a pretty big brand about a week ago. And one of the things they said to us is we have a process that works. We have a, a funnel that we know is effective. We have graphics, you know, they're not using videos, using graphics that pennies on the dollar of what they would spend on a, on a well-produced video. And, you know, why should they disrupt it? Why should they stop it? I understand that position. My personal feeling about it, my professional feeling about it is that those things will get you so far. And usually those funnels have, have a, an expiration date. Usually the content that they're using that's creating short-term success uh, will blow through a certain percentage of their demographic and then fall flat versus creating a strategy that's based on a, a, a true human connection can not only is the content evergreen, but the relationship tends to last a lot longer. And we know uh, statistically that a third of uh, followers end up buying from the brand and we know that the the callback, what's the what's the branding name for it? The uh, recall, brand recall, uh, for a brand tends to be five times higher with a narrative driven video than with an ad. So we have some statistics on this, but you know, use your gut. What do you what do you watch? Here's a question we tend to ask now: to start, what do you skip and what do you watch? It's just such a simple formula, but it's so axiomatic, but so often ignored. What do you what do you quickly hit the skip button on, and what are you going to stick around for? You know, you know. Well, I'll tell you, um, I did buy that BMW, right? <laughs> there you go. I'll raise my hand on it. You know, because of because of Clive Owen, you're gonna. Can you do a testimonial for us? Yeah, because of Clive Owen. No, because, no, no. So let me tell you, there was a certain feeling of I have arrived mm-hmm. by driving that car, right? And for someone who you know, like I run a digital marketing agency, right? And if I pull up in a Nissan Rogue, it's like okay, you know, it's a typical family car or whatever. You pull up in a BMW 528. It's a different story. It's like the Rolex on your hand. It's so it's like this. It's maybe not so subtle flex, right? There was definitely a little bit of swagger for it. I definitely smiled every time I sat down in that car, right? But at the same time, you know, like I could t- like like I would get comments on it where it'll be like, oh, like wow, that's a beautiful car, you know. And what it does is that it does it does sort of elevate your status, not unlike what this iPhone does or the Apple watch or, you know, the kind of microphone that I'm using to, you know, to record this podcast, right. Is that there, you know, there is a little bit of swagger that comes into it. Now you don't want to be a slave to these brands of whoever puts, you know, like, uh, you know, pretty pictures and hot models in front of you. But at the same time, it's like, you want to make sure that you're buying something you know, that works, that conveys that status, that conveys that emotion, because that's really what they're selling here. 
right? They're you, they want you to feel good every time you sit down in a car. I uh, going to be driving right now, a rental Nissan Sentra, right? You know, simply because, you know, the car's in the shop, it's not the same experience. Right. And it's a, you know, like you feel it's a great car. Don't get me wrong, but it's simply not the same experience. And it's one of those things that you like, you know, when you feel it, right. You know, when you put a thousand dollar watch on your, you know, on your hand or your, or a $1,500 iPhone or, you know, whatever other gadgets you tend to look at when you're around, there is a certain amount of swagger that goes with it. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to dive into, and this has always been on my forefront is what is the process for coming up with that kind of content? The, you know, the kind of content that tells a compelling story that also resonates with the audience. I mean, you really got to know your avatar at this point. If you're going to, you know, that BMW commercial or that BMW series would have been a lot different, you know, if we would have had Michael Jackson driving the car instead of Clive Owen, right? Let's talk a little bit about that, about, you know, like how you can approach a campaign like this and what what are the ingredients that go into a successful campaign that can resonate with the audience yeah it's a good question it would be it's it's so different depending on the goals of the brand and the type of brand we want to think about it as what's something that's true about the kinds of people they want to sell to you know what's an x factor or we would maybe we'd say a human factor in our case that all these people might have in common that we could, that, that where there's, there's a story in there, there's a narrative that we can take from that. That's not in itself the story, but there's a, you know, like when you read a novel, you'll get to uh, usually somewhere in the, over the course of the novel, you'll get to a couple of moments in the, in a chapter where you're just blown away because the author knows something about you that maybe you didn't even articulate. And that's one of the most powerful feelings in the world. You know, you read that and you're saying this person who I've never met wrote something here and it's true about me in in a way that you would have to be my psychiatrist to understand. And yet this person on this page knows it. And so what's really weird, so uh, uh, Walker Percy said that the, that literature is the, so the, the problem with science is it doesn't know anything about the individual. And the thing about literature is that it's actually the science of the individual. And that principle, that literary principle is act- can actually be translated into entertainment, into narrative video, into branded content, I believe. And, you know, we're, we're, we're getting there. I, I wouldn't say that we're, we're not, you know, making Dostoevsky style videos, but we're, we're working on it. And I think that, I think that that's the way that you want to address these creative problems is how do you start with a resonating human moment and then work backwards to cage it in a narrative that's going to be compelling and, and saleable and, you know, and, and clickable. You apply all the crude instruments later on, but you want to start with that kernel of, of resonating truth. I'd like to know if you can give an example of that, of, you know, maybe, uh, uh, I don't know if you can name the client or not, but, uh, you know, just sort of illustrate for us where that magic happened, how it came together and how it became a successful a successful campaign, not only for your agency, but also for your client? Sure. I'll give you a few examples. One is, I don't see why I can't share this, but maybe I'll find out later that I can't. But um, one is a campaign that we, so here's one that we're in, we're in, I can definitely talk about this. We're in active pre-production right now for a major brand, a household name that on a Snapchat and YouTube series, it's a comedic series around people and the way that they, the way New Yorkers will, uh, 
interpret news and how that might be different than the way people in other states would interpret news. Now, the charge on this is, you know, we, you could name it, right? It's coastal. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, uh, hermetic and all that, which is fair enough. But it's a, it's a, it's a funny start, right? And so we know that this would be a lighthearted example, but we know that people have a certain cachet about New Yorkers. And we know that there is a prototypical New Yorker who thinks about things maybe a little differently than uh, people in other parts of the country. Uh, So we take that human insight and then we try to build a series around it in this case. Um, So we're in pre-production on that right now. There's a brand that I, I won't name that we are in the pitch process on that they sell candles. They sell candles to different to different uh, parts of basically they're they're named after the cities that they that the people have left from. So they send the candles out to the people left from. And our whole thing there is the you know home. What's the value of home? What do you feel about home after you just moved away? Obviously, during COVID, there's this massive shifting of uh, people moving all over the country for different reasons. And this is a way for people to say, don't forget about us. And, and here's the, here's the kind of small little token that's going to bring back all this nostalgia and all these memories. So what is the significance of that? And so we're trying to do an epistolary series, a series of letters that would kind of capture that uh, and set them to creative B-roll and, and, and things like that. We are doing, uh, we did a documentary that we got into some film festivals late last year. And, and so that was that's going to be harder to describe in, in these terms. But basically the idea was what is the value of forgiveness? That was tricky because there, that's a real story. You know, we're not making that story up. So then you have to find what's the literary, what's the literary feature in this story and how can we make that the central theme of it? And so that was a really enthralling project to work on, a very powerful project to, to, to be a part of. We got to do uh, a campaign for LG last year and that was, we didn't have much time Right. So then the question is, well, what's the, it was set in a hotel. And so what's the, you know, what happens at hotels? Well, strangers meet each other often at hotels. And that's an interesting uh, starting point. Right. And that could be a, a, a place for adventure and the unexpected and the unknown. And so we made a, a, a just a kind of a visual short film based on that experience. I can give more. Tell me if this is getting boring. Yeah. No. So uh, no, this is actually intensely interesting because I think, I think the common thread of what you're talking about here is, you know, creating a human interest, you know, creating an emotional connection. And I think you described it very eloquently. Could be a smell, could be a touch, it could be a meeting, right? And these are all things that take people, you know, to another place, you know, hearing a specific accent, Hmm. you know, having a distinct smell. It's like, you know, I can tell you when I land in, you know, other cities across the, the United States, like I can identify the smell. Hmm. When I hear, well, when I, um, I'm very attuned to, you know, to accents, even within, you know, even regionally, right. You know, cause I'm not like, I live in Fort Lauderdale. I'm not originally from here. Right. So, you know, a lot of people make fun of my, uh, they either can pick up on my Midwestern accent or they just don't hear it at all. And, you know, it's just funny. It's, it's fun to riff off of that. And I think what happens is that when you're creating that kind of content, you're really playing off of those things that, like you said, that, they may not think about it consciously, but then it triggers something. And if that trigger, you know, makes it viable and livable and, you know, and actually real for the person, then you as a content producer did your job. And I think that's the bottom line thesis here is that you, you, you I, I love that, you know, of what. Yeah. How, how cool is this? You're, 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 what you're describing is a neurological process. Like you're, you're not, we make decisions with our limbic brain. 
it's the center of uh, our emotions. It's what we feel and everything you just described, the smell or a touch or a sense or that, you know, that something that's a tactile experience, that all takes place in the limbic brain. That's the same center we use to actually make our choices, what we're going to do next. Ads tend to target the neocortex, which is the part of our brain that's much less developed. And that is the part of the brain that processes discounts and features and a a limited time deal and things like that. And so we actually have, we're very confused about where the human brain is, where the decision-making center of the human brain is. It's much more akin to what you were just describing. One last question I wanted to ask you, and I really like your take on this. Where do you see, you know, these types of campaigns going, especially in the frame of, you know, the Netflix and Amazon Prime? And YouTube premium where you can skip commercials and you don't really need to see this stuff anymore. Mm. I mean, I just moved into a new house. And the only reason I have cable TV is that it was a cheaper option, right. you know, to get my internet than uh, opposed to not. And you know, you know something? I went 10 years without seeing a commercial. Right. I, I went a long time without seeing a commercial. And now, you know, my, my wife, who's not from this country, she is really enthralled by these commercials. Right. And some of these commercials are like really ancient to me. Like they riff off of themes that I grew up with. Right. So like I can hum along to some of the commercial themes, you know, about what they're talking about. And she's just like, well, how else am I supposed to learn the brands? How else am I supposed to learn what's going on? And I'm just like, oh, God, can we just, yeah, can we just fast forward through this? What do you see? Where do you see this uh, process going when you have all these channels that are effectively, trying to work against you as opposed to for you. I understood up until the last part, what channels working against, against you mean how you mean in terms of the, the disrupting disruption and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like my kids are, you know, like they don't, they don't watch cable right. TV. You know, I they see. get their yeah. commercials now from TikTok. Right. They get their commercials now from Snapchat. They get their commercials now for, because I'm not paying for their YouTube premium. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's a great, so where do you see that happening? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I have no idea where it's going, but it's going it's going somewhere very fast. I mean, to your point, the, the cord cutters are omnipresent. And as you go younger on the demographic spectrum, it's not, you know, who has a cord would be more a better question than who's cutting the cord. It's, it's like there's they don't even know what cable is. And so disruption advertising as a as a breed of marketing is is going, I, th- I think, I mean, I don't want to say it's going extinct. It'll probably stick around. It'll probably always have some place as long as they can derive some positive ROI from it. But culturally, it seems to be going extinct. We have something like 65 million people in, the, in America have uh, ad blocking technology installed on all their devices. We've just become our communal tolerance for advertising as a category is dwindling very quickly. Okay, we have banner blindness. We don't have patience for anything that disrupts our time. It's our leisure time. You're taking a break, you know, it's our, your brain is just goes into a whole different mode. And you see something that's trying to get into, you're just, it's like a fly. You just want to get rid of it as quickly as you can. The last thing you're doing is, is um, taking in that information. So on that hand, I I think it's a matter of time. Uh, You know, I think, I mean, that might be a um, aggressive statement, but I think it's whatever format it's in is, is going to, is time limited on the other side of it. Great content producers, What's the difference between Amazon Prime and you know Lexus? It's just it's just investment. Amazon Prime has made a much greater investment in their content than Alexis. You know, Marriott is a huge content player. Huge. Their brand. Most people don't know that. 
You know, it's, um, you know, these brands will continue to get further into the content game, whether it's through docu-series or, you know, reality shows, or I think scripted, I think short film and, and film, we're trying to, we're trying to get deeper into scripted stuff and we're, you know, maturing in that place and we're, we're, we're getting there. But I, I think that bigger and bigger brands will become more and more like Netflix and, and Amazon. We'll just have a ton more, a ton more choices. I mean, some people will say that's the death of taste and and it's all you know it's the wild west and everything is uh nothing is true and everything is crazy and maybe but it just presents such opportunity for creators it's unbelievable it's hard to quantify i think that as creative industries continue to become upside down as they are now i mean publishing and film and and you know if you look at each creative industry so many of them are facing utter impoverishment and you know they're losing audiences while at the same time, there's this tremendous opportunity in, in branded platforms to go and, and do actual art and create actual work that is valuable. So I, I think that, and is seen. Um, so I think that two-sided market will continue to be built out between artists on the one hand who have the ability to get attention and brands that realize that getting attention is going to be a much better strategy for them than uh, persistent disruption of, of consumer experience. Very well said. You know, I can nerd out about this and we can sling, uh, <laughs> you know, examples back and forth. You know, I'm taking a particular interest right now in the content that Apple TV Plus is producing. Mm. They're, they're, they're really producing some really, you know, like thought provoking stuff. And when I look at the different, the different options, you know, at first it was just like, you know, you pay $90 a month for your cable. Right. You know, now I got to pay $15 a month for Disney. I got to pay 50, I got to pay $10. For, you know, if I, I want to watch South Park, oh no, now I got to go to Paramount Plus. And it's like, dude, just stop already. You know, like I'm back up to the $100 a month for my uh, viewing habits. And I think the, I really yeah. don't have time to watch all that content, right? So I got to be really picky and choosy on which content I want to watch, which one I want to binge on, try to get, uh, you know, my family invested in it as well. Otherwise I'm just watching it alone on a six inch device when I go retreat to my room, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is. So you're right. You know, we could talk about this forever. Yeah. it's awesome. Uh, Zach, can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly? Certainly uh human factor media.co is in company, not, not.com humanfactormedia.co it's our website we've got work on there we've got our reels on there we have contact information on there you can reach out to me directly uh, zach z-a-c-k at humanfactormedia.co uh, and i'd be happy to talk as well amazing stuff thank you so much for nerding out with me on this this was a lot of fun i love going back and forth on it i find this entire industry intensely fascinating thank you for joining me today Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. I love what you're doing too, man. And we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, 
and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.